Hi, this is Tim Sanders, founder of the Omnia Radiation Balancer. Pretty soon there will be 5G masks going up all around us and we want to make sure that you're giving yourself the best protection on the market. Our solution is unique. We use a new source of energy from the fifth dimension to balance radiation fields on any device, making it safe to use. Our results show that this structures water, it balances the blood and it keeps your body super strong. And yes, it works on 5G. The energy in the patch never runs out, so count up all the radiating devices in your life, stick one on each, and you're done. Click on the link below and you'll soon be bringing balance and strength back to your body. Thank you. Everybody ready? Simon, ready? Everybody good? Yeah. The systems are go. <laughs> hey guys, you're listening to Journey to Truth podcast. Tonight we are doing our, our, our first roundtable, actually. Uh, it's Camp Disclosure Roundtable. All of these people are going to be speaking or presenting or hosting Camp Disclosure. Jace Kalesa, Alex Bloom, Simon Essler, Steve Cefalo. Uh, most of you guys probably know who they are, but if you don't, we're going to let them briefly introduce themselves, and we're going to start with Alex, just purely based on his hilarious background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here, guys. So let's see, meme god extraordinaire, uh, fellow red pillar psychologist, and wanting to help usher in and bridge psychology and spirituality, both during and after the Great Awakening. So happy to be here. All right, Popcorn Simon. <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm Simon. I'm a metaphysical minister, full disclosure activist. I am the host and creator of Worlds Within on edgeofwonder.tv. And uh, I'm really pumped to be here. And I'm so excited about Camp Disclosure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I'm getting, as every day I'm getting more and more excited. Uh, just to see all you guys in person, first of all, that's going to be one of the, the best parts about it, reconnecting with the soul family, you know. Uh, Steve, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are right now. Right. I'm, I am uh, <laughs> from an undisclosed location in the solar system. And um, <laughs> we're Corey Good. Um, currently, I'm, I'm mostly doing working on Corey's uh, graphic novel series. And uh, I do all, all sorts of, you know, I taught uh, figure drawing and anatomy for um, 13 years in art school. Um, so I'm bringing some of that to the table and mashing it all together um, for a neat presentation. for you guys. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that, too. And I love the helmet, by the way. I've seen your pictures on Facebook of you actually grocery shopping with that on. <laughs> yes, they made it. They made a masks mandatory in my city, so this was my answer. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, Excellent response. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've seen. Yeah, people are wearing like Darth Vader mask and all kinds of shit. The plague uh, mask. It's all about that old plague doctor mask. Yeah. Yes, with the hook those nose. Are, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are amazing. Uh, um, I saw one guy. He, he just wore a mask, like an old Batman mask that just covers <laughs> covers your eyes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, Jace, uh, you're 
the host or one of the hosts of Camp Disclosure. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, I'll be hosting the main stage and introducing all the speakers there. And um, I am, I kind of dabble in a little bit of everything. I'm a musician, a, a metaphysical activist. I try to bridge the gaps between metaphysics and science. Um, I like really diving into all of the dark occultic history of the planet that needs to be exposed for us to like really move forward in our healing for the planet. And I uh, have a YouTube channel where I do that called Cosmic Origins and a podcast with my wife called Divine Sovereign Beings. And mainly right now, I'm mainly active on my Facebook page at, at Jace Kalesa, my full name. And yeah, that's pretty much the song. Awesome. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'm just kind of curious to see your your thoughts or, or any of your thoughts on, you know, some, some of the current events that are happening right now, especially uh, last night we heard about Trump's brother passing away, which is very suspicious to me, uh, especially after I realized what he had been tweeting prior to that. What do, do, do any of you guys have any thoughts or any insight on that? Allegedly, I was I was actually kind of um, skeptical to whether it really was his Twitter account because it is not um, confirmed in blue checkmark. Um, but he made very, if it is legit, um, it's very exciting because he uh, he made very overt references to Q. Um, you know, he. Uh, I'm not going to try to. <laughs> exactly what it was but he said you know very very openly confirming QAnon um, but it is it was a little suspicious to me that uh, Trump or like nobody big seemed to be following his Twitter account so I'm not totally convinced yeah, yeah it being suspended like right when I went to check and it was suspended I was like well I can't verify any of those tweets but yeah I've been following it for maybe half the time it had been out. I think, I think the page started like less than two months ago and I've maybe been following it for the last month, really trying to like discern if it was legit or not. And there was a lot, like you were saying, there's a lot of like very um, overt and uh, kind of controversial statements, even within the Q community, like saying JFK Jr. is alive and JFK Jr. is Q and JFK Jr. will come out after Trump's re-inauguration and a lot of just like very uh, touchy stuff. And so I was getting, like, at first I was like, oh, this seems like it might be him. And then I was growing distant from it. And then when I pretty much had stopped paying attention to it is when the news of him being sick had come out. And then the Twitter page was suspended, like, the day before he died. And he had, he had actually, whoever it was on the page, had tweeted, tomorrow will be a really big day. And then that's the day he died. So there was a lot of really weird synchronicities that now I'm looking back and going, okay, maybe there was some kind of legitimate nature to this. But I feel like the whole thing has um, some questions around it, uh, even with him actually being dead or what happened if he was killed, if he was maybe a part of these groups that struck a deal even, is what I was thinking. Maybe he was involved to a degree. And, and uh, just like Q says, a lot of these people had to make deals because if we were public about all of the stuff, it'd be 90% of people in government that would be arrested. And that just can't happen for the psychology of the planet right now. So there's um there's a lot of really open doors now that this could lead to. Yeah. I know I, that he um who was going after who is it Trump's niece that wrote the book recently like the hit piece. Yeah. Yep. So he he was publicly going after her for that. He basically when she released it Trump's brother was 
saying that, you know, they were ashamed of what she was doing. And he, I think he, from what I recall reading, he tried to stop her. Like he actually yeah. tried to stop the publication of it. He got a restraining order against her. That's right. And, That's right. And then they it, saying that she couldn't write about them in the book. And then the judge, I guess, uh, uh, went back on it. And now it's, it's invalid. Hmm. Well, one thing's for sure is that it's not, it's no accident. Anything that happens right now like that is no accident. This could just be a chess move. You know, I don't know what the motive is behind it or, you know, we can only speculate, but. Uh, but it's like <laughs> the, what we do know is that there's quite a bit going on that is not what it looks like on the surface. And we'd be foolish not to be turning over every stone. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Absolutely. I think that's the case with almost everything. And like, if, if there's ever a time to practice discernment, it's now because I mean, there's so much disinfo, misinfo, who knows what's true and infiltration, there's multiple agendas trying to all play out at the same time. So when we get Intel, we don't know if it's coming from the specific agenda or is this the, the real story or, or what is it? So it's almost back to just, it's almost a good idea just to sit back and take it all in and just kind of observe, but don't, uh, you know, don't throw all your weight into any one thing. I, I think anyway. And give it the 48 hour rule, right? Sometimes in the beginning you think something's true and you jump on it and you retweet it or talk about it or assume that it's fact. And then, you know, within the next two days, it might come out as not being the case. My metaphor though, kind of stepping back for a minute that I think about just kind of truthing in general is like a giant jigsaw puzzle. And whenever we go and we learn about something, we're getting another little chunk kind of put together. And we look at colors, we look at kind of the, the corner pieces, et cetera, and we get some sort of uh, picture that like a gestalt that we put together of kind of the, the bigger uh, factor of what's going on just in the world, in reality, in truth. But so while that's the case, and we learn about different topics, you know, and, uh, and of course, like Edge of Wonder, I think, is just some of the best content out there in terms of getting really good material that you can add to your own jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then when we meet at like conferences, like what we're going to, you know, we, we add a lot very in a concise time to our own jigsaw puzzle and we contribute to others as well. But kind of to, to jump in with what you guys are saying, I think we also, and I'm guilty of it, but you know, we all can be guilty of this, of emotionally jumping in too much or have too much weight placed upon a certain topic or subject or, you know, data point that might not be the facts. And so, you know, discernment is necessary, right? And this is why, you know, we, we can hold on to something, but we have to maintain this practice of detachment. That's so crucial. So yeah, I saw a video yeah. of Joe Biden sniffing Alex Bloom and it was really triggering. Was that a deep fake or is that legit? <laughs> we'll see. Give it a 48 hour rule. <laughs> You know, it's well, interesting. If Q's taught us anything, Alex, is, is exactly what you just said, because how many times have we misinterpreted a Q post and we've right. all gotten so excited about a date or something that we expected to happen or yeah. whatever it might be. And so many people had all their weight on that and they were, we were waiting for this just to be let down. And this is also, they could be, they're teaching us a lesson as we go. So it's kind of multifaceted what's going on. It's really I'll give you a perfect example of that that came to my attention Friday night. 
So I've been off the grid this weekend, so I don't have updates on what's going on the past few days. I hung out with James at Isetti, which was a lot of fun. Um, but when I was driving up there, I was listening to podcasts and they were talking about 11-3. Remember, that's the supposed date when like all these arrests are going to happen. And they were, uh, someone on Twitter had referenced that uh, 11.3 could mean lots of different things, right? Just like we've heard in the past about supposed dates. And then one of those ended up being the, um, what was it? The correlation to like the um, DOD server or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So with this 11.3, they were connecting it with, um, I don't remember his first name, but like, is it Klinderman? Kinderman? Something like that? Someone Kleinman? who had, what's that? Kleinman? Kleinman. That's it. Yeah. And so they were saying that the uh, 11.3 could reference his initials of uh, KC. Um so anyway, I just thought that was really interesting and in, in why there's so much, especially with like the Q material, that you there's so many different layers to it. That's what I find so fascinating. I mean, even decades from now, people are going to still be uncovering new layers to, um, to Q. So yeah. yeah, the drops are so rich, like they're so layered on purpose. And I think, you know, when we look at uh, at this from the perspective of, us as a community like trying to to be activists for the truth trying to like get people who are uninitiated initiated so that's sort of like the war that we're fighting but it's so easy for us to forget that we're assets in someone else's war and that's why like it's very beneficial for certain groups even sometimes for q uh to drop something to have us misinterpret it and spread it in a certain way because that may be advantageous to the operation in some other way like we may be useful agents of disinformation for white hats or for black hats because we really don't know so remembering that you're an asset of someone else's agenda regardless is just like a really good exercise mm. yeah that's really interesting i i've said the same exact thing as far as some of this stuff or some of these updates and whatever we might get could be totally intentional disinformation that seems so legitimate. But I mean, if they were to tell us everything that doesn't, that's not how war strategies work. We got to understand the drops are public. So the cabal is seeing everything we're seeing. So that's why Q says disinformation is necessary because, you know, a lot of times they'll have to throw off the deep state with certain things. Um, and and maybe part of that, like you said, is getting us, you know, a lot of us are going to jump on believing something. So then the cabal is like, oh, that's definitely going to happen. And then throws them off, too. You know, you never know what the... One of these times, something the, is going to happen on one of those dates. The cabal <laughs> yeah, yeah. has been... Well, that could be part yeah. of it. You know, every time right. there's, it's like a big, you know, anticlimactic thing. And then the one time something does happen, it's going to throw everything off unless I just ruin that plan. <laughs> or it's going to happen totally that whole out of nowhere with no dates or no foreshadowing. It's just going to be like out of the blue. That's, that's totally what unexpected. I think. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, well, that's irregular warfare, right? I mean, that's mm. the realm that we're dealing with, mm. this whole thing. I, I think the disinformation is necessary is obviously one of the trickiest things because clearly it's used as a scapegoat by you know other people trying to warp uh, the potential meaning for that. I think the best thing we can do with that phrase is look back over 
the times in which we can now prove something was disinformation and study those moments of disinformation and tie them to the tactical advantages they created. Because if we can really learn like, oh, back then that specific disinfo, it caused this chain of events. Because the disinformation always has to be like tactically sound, right? It has to be serving the operation at hand, which is why you can't just say any of it could be disinformation. You have to be able to logically assess like, well, what tactical advantage did it offer? So if we go back over the operation and look at the tactical advantages that were created in the past, it does give us some insight into like how to read that on the horizon, how to get a sense of it so that people can't just use it as a, you know, a sort of catch all phrase to either promote something or to just like dismiss things that need to be looked at. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, the, the art of war. Um, and in the art of war, it says uh, all, all warfare is uh, based in deception. Um, and, and so some of the tenants in there are like uh, when you're, when you're closest seem like you're far. When you're weakest, seem like you're strong, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, when you're never, mm -hmm. let, never let them see, never let just never give up your hand. Basically, yeah. Well, we know Trump is really big into that, right? This is a book like the Art of War is a book that he personally promoted. It's a book that was like his major source for the art of the deal. Uh, also, even if like you just look at his astrology, right? Like he mm -hmm. has this. The Gemini aspect, right? So he can have this public-facing persona and he can be doing things that are completely contradictory to the public-facing persona that people believe he has. That's right in his natal chart. So, uh, you know, there's a lot pointing to the idea that that he would be playing this sort of two-faced uh, game. And it's interesting because I saw someone the other day, uh, I think it was on Joe Rogan or someone, but they were saying that, maybe one of you guys saw this, but it was, how if Trump had a secret like this, he would never be able to keep it because he's such a narcissist. He couldn't keep such an amazing secret. If he was doing something this virtuous, he would have to tell everyone. And that's this like really, it's like a psychologically kind of one dimensional assessment of a human being, like as if he's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What I tell a lot of people with TDS that seems to actually get through to them is that in this whole QAnon scenario for, for people that are outside to it, um, Trump isn't seen as the mastermind behind the whole operation. Sure, there's some people, I'm sure, that believe that, but I feel like the majority of, of the people that are actually researching this understand that it's not Trump that is saving the world, right? He's fulfilling right. a position. He is a figurehead for a much larger operation that's happening, just like every yeah. president. Pretty much every president throughout history has been a figurehead for other operations. And when I've told people that who are, you know, kind of anti-Trump, they go, oh, well, I could actually see that then. But it's the it's it's the fact that the mainstream media keeps pounding into these people's heads that Trump that that the right thinks that Trump is a savior and that Trump is basically Jesus and I'm you know, like I'm sure some people idolize him in that way but that's not the core understanding of what's going on with the QAnon operation. No, and and what's so telling to me, I just told Aaron today, I was like. Every mainstream source right now is bashing Q so hard, worse than they ever have. Every time I go to my feed, it's some. I mean that that's well, that's, just, well, that's why they're attacking QAnon so hard because they the last thing they want is people looking into that and realizing that's what's really going on here. And they finally asked him the Q reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
man, but it's brilliant because and, what's going to happen is they're going to think they're so smart <laughs> pushing that button like, oh, Trump didn't want to talk about that, so we better talk about that. And then there's going to yeah. be all this pressure built behind the question. Yeah. And what's funny is if you look at the actual sentence structure of how he replied to that question, you know, they asked like, do you agree with her support of QAnon? Basically this, this person that was running for Congress um, or whatever position. And he, you know, did that long sentence about how he supports what she's doing. And then he's like, so absolutely, of course I support her. And then he moved on. And then they tried to like rephrase the question and get it in. And then he totally ignored the reporter and was like, no, you next. <laughs> but he yeah, said so right. absolutely. So technically yeah. he did yeah. confirm it. Yeah. Picking yeah. up on the TDS thing. Um, I'm sensitive to that because like I've, I've so many family members, so many friends who are just so TDS. And, and I think a lot of it is just personality clashes. Like I happen to know people had many people in my family that Trump reminds me of and, and uh, to have this kind of like, you know, gruff, harsh, you know, Northeastern kind of um, style like that. And uh, I, so I, I get it. I get the humor. Um, but, uh, but a lot of people don't get it and they can't separate it from like a bad, like a bad personality from just like rough personality traits. But um so I like I kind of sidestep it by saying, saying, okay, maybe he was even uh, compromised into <laughs> into playing this role. You know, tr Trump isn't the uh, he's not the point. He's not the center of the Q operation. All Trump did was he said yes to the operation. So yeah. whatever else, whatever whatever other flaws Trump has, like I'll give him that. He might have flaws. He might have done bad things even. But the point is that he said yes to the operation. And that's why we support it. Yeah. And I'm just yep. going to clarify for the people in the chat right now that are probably wondering what is TDS, even though we just assume everybody knows. <laughs> you put a key at the bottom yeah. in the description. Yeah. I said that so I wouldn't trigger the other people out there, you know, but I guess most of your viewers, the majority are probably. Uh, oh, yeah. Most, most. Yeah, we have the potential to trigger somebody every episode, so it doesn't but matter. People get so, triggered on our videos. Trump, still. Trump derangement syndrome. There, I said it. <laughs> I just need to point out that uh, that Alex, when you go to reach something behind you, you disappear into Joe Biden. <laughs> <Do I? laughs> it's, ter it's terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Do you? Uh, you guys know about Trump's October surprise. Have you heard about that? Yeah. About oh. some type of... The UFO, the UFOlogy. Yes. Yeah, so I, the, the notion is that basically he's, he's setting up to, to gain votes uh, in October by pushing for disclosure. And he said, what did he, he said? Full transparency or something. That, mm -hmm. that was the term. With Lou Dobbs, he said, I might even give you full transparency. Okay, on what? Was it in context of talking about UFOs? Yes, yeah. so Lou Dobbs asked him about UFOs. He said, are you, you know, there seems to be a lot that needs to come out. Are you looking into it? Are you planning on releasing anything? He said, you know, there needs to be a lot of transparency. And he said, Lou Dobbs, you're, you're the best on this subject. So whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You want full transparency, I'll give you full transparency. Yeah. Wow. So, what so do you he think was about, being playful, but... What do you think about the theory that 
like people are saying that he's going to announce Roswell first, but that he's going to say it was time traveling humans. What do you guys think about that? I don't well, know. I don't know where I sit on it. <laughs> I hope like not. as far as if that's what they're actually going to try to do and why they would try to do that if they did, like if there's a tactical advantage operationally to doing that, or if it would be total kind it's, of infiltration of disinformation into the disclosure on a federal level. Me, I mean, to me, that, that would represent compromise, right? That would mean that the operation is on some level compromised. Yeah. Like even, I believe Q has used the term full transparency. Uh, so this is a theme that runs throughout the Q operation. Trump echoing those words in reference to ufology is pretty significant. I think, you know, if if they go the time-traveling humans uh, narrative, I mean, we've, we've had intel on that for years, uh, on them trying to micromanage the whole extraterrestrial issue into saying that it's just future humans. You know, you now have, uh, you know, that being sort of brought back up, I guess, because it was originally, I think, Dan Beerish that brought that forward. Uh, and he, in, his, in all his testimony, he's talking about all the greys that he worked with and that there's greys from different timelines and they're all humans with these broken genetic lines and that they're coming back to try and repair themselves and their timeline. Uh, and a lot, a lot of what Beerish brought forward just didn't, didn't come true, right? So whether he was disinfo or whether he was being fed disinfo, I don't know. But uh, what we have is the advantage of decades of ufology, right? We have decades of documents and testimony that already talked about that context, already dealt with it. So we have this tactical advantage of like, you know, if they try to do this limited hangout, we have lots of material that can challenge that right away. You know, we don't even need to do the, the digging per se or the new research it's available to us now so i don't know i hope not at the same time the the all ufos are et narrative is a cover-up mm. so true disclosure full disclosure would also uh be disclosing black budget programs fact that yeah we have that technology which q is acknowledged so hopefully yeah. they wouldn't go that route. Well, what this and isn't that part of Space Force? Yeah, supposedly. That's yeah, part that's... of the rationale behind it is my understanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a conduit. That's a conduit for disclosure of pre-existing programs. But then you also have the officials that came forward. Uh, I don't know when was that? Like six or eight months ago? That said, there's too much. Uh, there's too much disclassified in secret space programs and that it needs to be declassified. Do you guys remember that press conference? They, they actually came forward and said that, uh, Who's that there? there's, who was it? It that was, was an actual, US? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. They came forward. They, it was bonkers. They made a full announcement saying there's too much that's classified and lots needs to be declassified. Uh, it was a huge confirmation and it's weird. Like there hasn't, I was thinking about that yesterday because that came out and then just sort of nothing, right? They planted that seed and just kind of left it, but it was a really big drop. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's gonna come back around. Well, I think the main motive behind pushing the uh, all ETs or all UFOs or humans from the future narrative is to ostracize and discredit all of the experiencers, all of us who have come and came forward and told our stories. and and have our own proof that this stuff exists uh, outside of just being future humans. 
And if they were to successfully succeed with that narrative, um, we would all have a really hard time convincing people that we weren't crazy. Obviously, you know what? it's not going to play out that way, I don't think. But I think this, is what, this could be their goal. But, you know, we have those, like a lot of those experiencer testimonies are very modern. But what the all ETs are human narrative really can't touch is the thousands of years of like First Nations uh, documentation, testimony of the Hopi people and the Mi'kmaq people working directly with different <coughs> ET races, knowing which star system the ET races coming, came from, being given like ancient technology, ancient languages. So, you know, their narrative is also up against all this ancient history coming from these, uh, you know, these tribes and these different First Nations groups. You look at someone like David Lone Bear Senapas, who's literally saying the Great Awakening is a part of a like a, a huge uh, prophecy for us. We're supposed to be coming forward with the star teachings that originate from a specific star system, you know, and he's pushing for this and he's getting that push from the elders that. Uh, he works with from a council of elders that have said, based on all this ET knowledge, all this ancient knowledge, now is the time to give it to the non-natives. So they're up against that too. And I think that's a huge obstacle for the all ETs or, or human narrative, because even if they debunk modern experiencers, like how, how are they going to do that? You know, within this sort of left-wing narrative, it's actually super racist. So <laughs> how are they going to deal with that? You know? Yeah. And it's all just to me it's all just fear of they're really afraid of how the public's going to react to full disclosure um and to just and to just disclosure in general um and they're really to me it seems like they're really really trying hard to figure out they they're like okay we need to like do this in a very partial way as to not um not destabilize all of society basically and, and cause mass chaos and panic. The society is so stable, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which to me is, is just like, no, cause it's just going to make things way worse. You know, Look, they love, they love causing mass chaos. Worse. They, they love causing panic. Like they're all about what's happening in the world well, right now. Right. Like, okay. The deep state. I'm, I'm specifically talking about the Alliance actually here. Oh no, but what I mean is there's this there's this idea that's perpetuated and it's kind of silly, right? The idea that that um some of them are trying to withhold information to stop panic. Uh and yet, you know, we're often told to panic about ridiculous things, you know? And I think yeah. what you're talking about is bang on. It's bang on because it means you have two groups sort of fighting for the same thing. It's a bit weird because you have white hats who feel the responsible thing is to do partial disclosure because it's too traumatic. And then you have black hats who want the partial disclosure because they want to hang on to the power. And so, like, what is the difference between those two agendas? And how do you sort that out? You know, obviously, there are white hats who want full disclosure. But yeah, my understanding is it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's mixed. So that's pretty nuanced right there. And I could kind of see this, like, um, human time traveling theory as being kind of like the military Orthodox Christian view of aliens and them trying to kind of justify how the et phenomena fits into the orthodox christian view of creation and i could see like you know i'm sure that there's certain factions that have the greater awareness outside of those religious views but the majority might be still kind of stuck there and trying to justify that and we could be seeing that military white hat semi-distorted 
but pure intention, but distorted message playing out. That's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that actually. Great point. And even Q have thought about that, you know, like I, for, I mean, I've been getting the vibes that there are galactic strings involved in Q, but now I'm starting to think that maybe it's not as direct as I used to think and that it might be more of an oversight and hands-off kind of interaction mm -hmm. and that um, the people involved in the Q operation could be very well going through their own intense transformations of moving out of that like Christian um, viewpoint and into a more like universal understanding of spirituality. I feel like the yeah. Q group seems kind of varied in their worldviews. Like you, you'll have one post that will be very kind of um, conservative, like what am I saying? Like fundamentalist kind of Christian. idea of God or yeah. Jesus. And then, um, and then another post that's kind of new agey, like, uh, you know, about meditation and, and, and this kind of thing. And I feel like it, it comes from various ideologies. And then you have the ones that sound more like Trump's voice and, and ones that are a little bit more military or ones that sound like, uh, yeah, like comms to the, uh, the intelligence community. Yeah, some of it is definitely military comms. I mean, because some of that stuff, nobody knows what it means except for somebody who's in a, it, it could be a code for military an operation. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that I part mean, is fun for me because I've started to go back with more nuance and try to conceptualize in my mind the different authors for, for different posts and like just make up names for them. <laughs> so you can start to kind of tell the voice behind some of the the posts, which is kind of fun. It makes it more human, I think. Yeah. You know something I just totally forgot until this moment? Remember when the trip codes were analyzed way back within the first year of Q and it led to all those like yes. books, books from Sala yeah. and right. David Wilcox book. Yeah. There's like, I remember that. How can that be falsified, exactly. you know? Yeah. Was a, I don't know, but Q never confirmed it. Q still never right, confirmed yeah. it. Never confirmed it, but... But that's what I meant earlier by the different nuances of the layers, right? Mm. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me of the movie Arrival where, like, you know, they're, like, creating this kind of... Or, or trying to create this nonlinear sense of time with the interaction that they're having. And I feel like that's what kind of Q is doing, too, with the there are no coincidences and how posts from two years ago to the same date can be relevant today instead of two years ago kind of thing. Yeah. It's kind of creating this sense of time being multidimensional and quantum and nonlinear. And then with what you're saying about them reaching out to these different kind of groups and appealing is very much what the ETs did in Arrival, where they were each in their own part of the world and interacting, but they forced those groups to essentially communicate and come together by themselves with their own free will. And it feels like that's what's happening. Um, I yeah. kind of like, like, okay, the reason, what my personal uh, um, opinion is that the reason why Q, like Q could come out and say things very clearly and go, Austin Steinbart, this, that, JFK Jr., <laughs> you know, bang. Um, some people say JFK, she's spoken on JFK Jr., but, but, or they, but they haven't really, they haven't made it clear. Like, I think, there was one that said uh, it was like a headline that was added by the app makers that said JFK mm. Jr. Dead. Um, but there's, but okay. All that said, like 
I feel like if Q wanted, Q could make all of that really clear. But it seems to me that there is a function of everything being a little unclear. Maybe Q doesn't want it. Maybe Q does want half the community to think that JFK Jr. is alive or part of the community to think Austin Steinbart or not. And it's all part of the operation. And that keeps the enemy in the dark too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, if if we don't know what's going on, the enemy certainly doesn't know what's going on. (laughs) Because we're paying a lot of attention. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some people it's their life now. maybe it's a safety thing because maybe if he confirmed maybe if he, let's say he is alive and he can q confirms it then the then the deep state's gonna be like well now we got to take him out you know and they're gonna what if, what if that puts him in well they risk? can't you never know and they can't mm-hmm. really come out and say anything conclusively and then it would throw everybody off you know is everyone's gonna start focusing on that and get off track well, not, not, not only that, it, it would be stupid at this point because it, it could cost them the election. If you start that, making bold yeah. claims like that, that yeah. people aren't ready for, uh, you're really, it's not and a strategic move at all as far as getting reelected. The media would link that. Um, presuming yeah. that he is dead, presuming that JFK Jr. is dead, um, I, could see, I could see there still being tactical reasons for leading people on that he's alive mm-hmm. and leading people down false rabbit holes. What were you right. going to say? Right. Um, there was a couple things I was going to say. One is that like uh, there's a drop, a pretty early drop from the operation where it says the choice to know will be yours. So I think there is an element of respecting people's ability to really choose to follow this information and to understand what's going on. But that means the flip side will be there too. The information is going to be presented in a way that will give people a choice. It won't shove it down their throats. I don't think it's going to force anyone. People are going to have to choose to follow the truth. And that's kind of what Q has always been about. Uh, but the other thing that, that I've been thinking a lot about lately is, is the importance of synchronicity. And like, if you look on the individual level, like how important synchronicity is, right? So you, you literally, you get these, uh, all these like different moments of meaning kind of like network together for you and make like a greater meaning, right? When we have a personal moment of synchronicity. And I've been thinking a lot about how like that, that's kind of what they're doing here on a collective level. They're creating like mass collective synchronicities where there's like number patterns and all these things. So they're, they're like using the idea or the force of synchronicity on a mass level. And, and you can see how synchronicity drives your own spiritual evolution. So they're clearly doing that as well. And if you look back over the way the deep state has used symbology throughout uh, media and even like in their comms and stuff, you know, they've also been working to try and create a sort of false, like artificial synchronicities around us where we're constantly surrounded by symbols that are linking together. And so it's like this phenomenon of synchronicity like it fits in all these different areas of what's going on. And so there, it's almost like there's a white hat, black hat war at generating mm-hmm. collective synchronicities for the, the followers, you know? I always, yeah. want, I always wondered too about um, false synchronicities from the deep state or from the cabal. I know that happens in, in some regards to, you know, you could think you are channeling or being contacted by a specific entity and it may be somebody entirely different 
And they may be putting these synchronicities in front of you and you think that they're positive or benevolent and you follow them and uh, you may never find out that you've been duped. And so it's really, it's like, so we have, and, and from my understanding, if like, I know I'm kind of switching gears a little bit, but if you, if you were to question or confront somebody who is, say these people are getting contacted by some entity or some being, if you question, if it ask it is if it's of the light or not, uh, they're not allowed to lie. So if it's an if it's an entity of the dark, they end up exposing themselves and showing truly who they are, and the facade falls. But if it is, if it is someone of the light, uh, they remain and they confirm it because they. But you, for even universal law, even the dark ones can't lie. And it's just an interesting concept as far as following synchronicities or not, because I know a lot of people claim and are so certain that they're being guided and told things. And, you know, we're always excited to have an experience, but do we ever stop to really question if it's legitimate? I was getting the understanding today that not only are they doing that with the, the fake synchronicities with like the targeted advertising, especially and all the data they're collecting and using that data to then create like things that would seem synchronistic. They're going to do that. But then I feel like they're also going to try as we move forward to tie it into the uh, quantum computer from the future idea and be like, oh, these synchronicities are happening because it's a quantum computer in the future doing it. It's not natural organic reality it's our quantum computer military in the future creating it now and then that's going to suck people down that like ai timeline where they don't want to believe in the organic stuff but they're like their left brain is like oh yeah quantum computer i get it that's what synchronicity is it's actually all just human made well for for that to even be a potential possibility it would have to be tapped into every single individual's consciousness on the planet and guiding and following them around all day long, every day, because that's how these synchronicities occurs, because we all have individual guides and multiple guides that step in and out, depending on the scenario or the situation that you're in. So in order for that to actually be accurate, it has to be some type of insane, insane, I don't even know. Well, and that's where I think they're mainly going to try to do it just through technology, but that's ultimately where people will be able to discern the differences Am I experiencing these patterns through like organic interactions with reality? And when I'm meditating in nature where, you know, the AI probably can't intervene or am I mainly experiencing these through like using my phone and laptop and computer and all that stuff? Yeah. So I'm actually going to be addressing some of this in my talk at Camp Disclosure uh, based on the idea that as a collective, we need to be moving into more subtle, more refined states of awareness and that this is actually the one of the ways that we'll be able to overcome things like this is that when you become very, very subtle, when you know how to look inwardly with a very, very refined sort of subtle beam of awareness, you're able to uncover things on a much deeper level. And I think that's because fundamentally the structure of our universe is, is subtle first. There's subtle layers that sort of give rise to this material realm. Um, and so when you learn to sense reality from these more subtle layers, uh, I think you can penetrate a lot of deception. So in the study of one's personal synchronicity, then it becomes about like, how, how, how still can you be? How quietly can you watch your own internal sense um, versus being kind of spiritually immature and just being like very excited and caught up and overly positive 
and you're not really using quietude to really watch those subtle distinctions. So I think that's like where we need to be moving as a collective to be able to cut through a lot of that stuff. I think it's really important. Yeah. You nailed it, Simon. <laughs> and great, great segue, great segue into Camp D also, uh, because I wanted to touch on that also. Uh, so as far as like, um, Steve and Alex, like, what are you guys presenting on or would you rather keep that secret or? <laughs> so mine's kind of an overlap, uh, to some degree with Simon's. I'm really anxious now to, uh, to see his presentation in mass because, um, you know, it kind of goes back to what we've been saying about like synchronicity and whatnot. Like this is where you have like for so long control over the narrative. Right. And this is why they they control media. This is why they shape social engineering like Tavistock and whatnot. Like all of that has been filtered. This is why they they own like both sides of narrative, you know, like in the UFO community for so long that all of this is to manipulate. Well, to keep us uh, dumb, sick and poor, of course. But on top of that, to manipulate collective consciousness. Because they know once we awaken in mass, that now this consciousness is, it's an energy, but it congeals and it can be used as, I'll use this word loosely, but like a weapon in a way, a weapon against them. Because there are way more of us, not just as people, but in terms of our collective consciousness than there are of them. And so for us kind of being the, the leaders in the field to help shape that by continuing to do our role by what we feel called to do on a spiritual level to help assist those behind us that through that awakening process what we're really doing is we're raising the vibration of each individual and that adds to the collective vibration of the planet and so when we can learn how to control our own internal psychology then we are contributing to the whole because we live in a holographic universe. And so really when people ask me like, what's the most important thing that I can do? I feel so helpless. I feel so out of control because I'm just one little voice on social media or I'm just one little, you know, fill in the blank. It's like, no, 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 go within. That's what they've been saying forever. Uh, go back and read Taoism. I mean, and kind of an interesting sidebar, what you're talking about earlier, like the art of war, when you compare to, um, to the art of war, to some of the Taoist teachings. It's, it's philosophical, it's spiritual, but it's very poetic as well. And I see such an overlap through a lot of Q posts with that too. So, you know, my big jam is about by you being able to best control your psychology, which specifically means your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. And when we can have uh, or move more toward mastery of that, then not only are we becoming more of a conscious co-creator of our own life experience, we are adding to the larger whole with the awakening of the planet. So you guys, this is the most exciting time to be alive in the history of the planet. It's amazing. I agree. Amen. I agree. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen. And I think what's going to happen at Camp Disclosure, just like at East SETI, all of these speakers, you know, they come with their individual presentations, but everything dovetailed together so perfectly and everyone left with like this overall message, like from collective, from the collective of all the speakers. And I have a feeling it's going to be the same way at Camp Disclosure as well. It's funny how it has a way of working out like that. Um, 
So, Steve, what are you, what's what is your presentation uh, in, entail, and can you touch on that? Yes. Um, so, my presentation. The hardest thing about my presentation is narrowing it down because I have so much to say. So, I've taught um, I've taught art for a long time. I taught art in college, and so I I have just a head full of stuff. And like, okay. And I guess I've, I've gone through periods of being more of like a, um, like a, a church-going Christian and then more of like a materialist and more of like a this and that. Um, but uh, when I sit and paint or sit and work, I usually do it, often do it in silence, and I just think and think and think and think. And all this stuff has been stewing in my head forever. My, my art journey has been my spiritual journey. Um, and, uh, so, but I never, I never actually properly meditated until I was an adult. Okay. Until I was like 40, I started meditating and just, wow, I started getting slapped with these downloads and, um, it started putting the pieces together. So I've been an, an anatomy instructor, like in, in our, like art, artistic anatomy. And we studied the proportions of the body. And of course in the body, there are um, there's a number of uh, of uh, um, ways that uh, the body corresponds with the, um, the golden ratio and with uh, um, sacred geometry um, and all these sorts of things. Um, and uh, I started I started thinking of the like as I work with, as I worked with uh, live models you know, doing live portraits, doing figure drawing. Um, I started feeling like it was a very holy thing. It was a very sacred thing. And, uh, and when you're working, when you're teaching, the, the classroom has a hush about it. And uh, there's a feeling like you, there's a holy and sacred connection with, with the model. Same thing when you go to a museum. There's a, there's a sacred connection with the art. And um, so I... I really started exploring this and uh, in light of what I know now, um, the, the, the uh, things I'm learning through David Wilcock and you know, other teachers that are kind of piecing all this together. Um, but without giving away the end, <laughs> um, I want to tie it together with certain downloads that I got about um, the, the power, the true power of faces Okay, faces of loved ones, um, faces in general of people, and um, the power of looking at photographs of them or pictures. The power of looking at people, and the power of looking at pictures. Really the, interesting. The actual like uh, spiritual um, function of of looking, of, of looking and seeing. You know, that's really like, that's so poignant right now with the masks, right? And I've been studying a lot right now, like what it does to us psychologically to not be able to see people's facial expressions and right. the anxiety that can actually build because that part of you is like scrambling to try and get that information. And I even heard a story the other day of a guy, you know, he went on a flight with his son, with his toddler. And uh, he looked to his child to try and calm him down on the flight and started smiling at him. And his kid just stayed stoic. And he was like, oh, should I have a mask on? And he pulled it off and smiled and the kid calmed down, like, you know, on a dime. 
And you okay. think like how many moments like that are we losing? That's so, I mean, I think that's, that's gonna right. be such an amazing thing to cover, man. I'm so excited for that. Yeah. Gonna, I can't believe, and then there's like the AI counter to that, which is like the, um, the facial recognition technology, mm. deep fakes and all of that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I, one of the things that caught me by surprise is I didn't realize how much, cause I, I was in construction for 15 years until I just recently quit, but they made everybody wear the mask on the job site and it's loud. There's tools, there's machines, everything you can't hear. You don't re I didn't realize how much did I read people's lips when they're talking to me. So now these guys are trying to talk to me on a job site and I can't make out a word they're saying. I can't hear them because it's so loud, but I never had that problem before until the mask. You don't realize how much you're actually reading somebody's lips when you're listening to them. And what about no, deaf I'm, people who like rely saying. on reading lips? Yeah, that's right. That's my, my brother's hard of hearing. And, you know, and like I, the, the way this has impacted the deaf community is really like, it's really tragic. It's really tragic, man. That whole community around the world has been cut off from so much. And uh, the idea that that's not a human rights violation to me is absurd because it clearly is, right? I know there's the whole argument of the greater good, but these things are all going to have to be sorted out afterwards. You know, people have been seriously harmed by all this. And I think uh, there's going to be a lot of cleaning up to do situations like that. You know, if, if let's say a deaf person's whole life, like they lost their job from something like this, like you just don't know what the fallout is going to be. And yeah. I think those things are really important to talk about because obviously the mainstream media is not going to cover stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Mm -hmm. Every, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about hearing everybody's presentation now. Uh, I know we're busy. We're going to be doing stuff. So I hope I can catch most of them. Uh, Jace, do you have any surprises in line for us in store for us? Are you just hosting or, or what's going on with that? Um, well, yeah, I'll be, I'll be introducing people on the stage and then I'll also be, doing some music on Friday night. Um, right. It's, uh, I'm still trying to figure out the exact structure. I think I'm going to stay fluid, uh, but it, it's going to be kind of a little dance party, but I think I'm also going to have an interactive part of that where I have a loop station and I'm going to invite people who have instruments because I know people are going to be there with like hand pans and didgeridoos and stuff. And so I'm going to try to make kind of like, if, if people are in the mood for it, an interactive music uh, environment for us to all jam. So that'll be Friday night. and then. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it officially. I'm I'm collecting a series of of uh, alien dad jokes to tell in the off time. So if you've got any good <laughs> spiritual or alien dad that's jokes, awesome. please send them over. I do. Awesome. I do. Alien well, dad jokes. Why Just did the, message them to me, and I'll give you credit. Why did the <laughs> Why did the blue chicken get arrested? Because he broke the law of one. Ha! Ah. <laughs> there's the There's the golden ticket. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, that, that's, I don't think anybody's <laughs> not be in the mood for the music. I mean, wh wh why not? That that's, brings everyone together. I know Rachel Ferris is now performing for the live stream on Thursday night, and I'm actually playing a few songs with her on guitar. Nice. So uh, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So it's, it's going to be a good time. And, you know, everybody knows Aaron and I are going to have the Experiencers Lounge. We're going to be uh, basically filming people's testimonies. Everybody at these conferences, they have stories to tell, but they don't know who to tell. When they get to these conferences, they're just, you know, vomiting at the mouth of these stories. <laughs> and uh, so we want to capture some of that because it's really interesting. You hear people finally get to express themselves for the first time. And 
so we want to capture that and compile it and put it together in a uh, some type of you know some type of digestible way we can release on YouTube or something that uh, can get these stories out there and, and be entertaining at the same time. So, and we'll be doing music as well and live podcasts. It's going to be a good time and some hikes even. Uh, I'm excited about all of it. The sky watches. It's going to be a good time. It really is. I'm excited. Uh, I guess we can start wrapping this up. Is there any last words any of you guys want to leave us with? You know, people really need to just like, who, whoever's not coming, hop on the live stream. Honestly, $44 for this live stream ticket. That's an amazing deal. That's an amazing deal for what we're offering. And for I, like, four I'm just, full days. Yeah. yeah. It's like, really, really of. epic. Yeah, it's insane. I tell everyone, I'm like, even yeah. people that aren't like red pilled, I'm like, you guys, check out this conference. It's $44, four days long, can't go wrong. How much was the VOD um, um, live stream i don't remember uh but it was more than that I'm over hundreds of dollars hundreds yeah. of dollars i think it was it was over 100 i think yeah if i remember yeah. correctly but, yeah, well it, we are if you guys want to stick around that we are going to play a the promo <clears throat> promo for the live stream uh something that we put together but uh that's going to be we're going to play that at the end but yeah i agree i think it's 22 speakers now total that this price includes also which is insane. Uh, and you're tapping into a conference that we've manifested in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. The fact and apparently that hurricane passed through. I'm oh, glad that that yeah. hurricane isn't a concern anymore. Oh, yeah. 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 The Guys, fact that, you know, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I interrupted somebody. Do you know if, um, there's a, what is the limit to how many people can attend in a room? I, I don't know that, I don't know the capacity. I know it's limited, but I don't know the actual capacity. I'm sure one, I'm sure somebody knows we can find out. Christy or CL would know. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, yeah. So everybody grab yourself a live stream ticket. Um, thanks for joining us tonight, guys. This was awesome. Uh, it's interesting because we had no plan, no direction on this conversation, and I really think it was awesome. I think we touched on some really important stuff, uh, and I love when that happens. I, I love when things just manifest in that way, uh, kind of like the conference. You know, who would have ever known we, they would be able to pull this off? And the amount, the amount of hurdles that they jumped, and they Dude. continuously were getting hit with and sidelined by stuff uh, to and to, to still be able to pull this off and and come out with something beautiful yeah it's impressive yeah. yeah so definitely definitely check it out everybody um thanks for listening thank you guys all once again and uh, we will see you guys um thursday night with rachel ferris uh she's going to be our last guest before the conference uh, and so that should be pretty exciting also and then other than that we'll see everybody at the conference so good night and uh we'll see you next time Peace, everyone. Peace. Night.